draws on and right. Brilliant save indeed. Walsh has scored. Leicester City are in dreamland now. Lovely close control there by Weller. Chance on for Virgin or the whack one. It's a beautiful goal. What a Welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby, and alongside me, Rob Hayes. It's absolutely tipping it down here, uh, south of Leicester, down in Leighton Buzzard. What about up in Sheffield, where you? I think you are. Yeah, latest weather in South Yorkshire. Also, absolutely tipping it down. Well, there we go. But it doesn't matter because Leicester are top of the championship still, uh, a point clear of Ipswich, and uh, still miles clear of uh, of Leeds. Eight points clear of Leeds. Uh, nine of Southampton, and since we've um, since we did the last podcast, obviously a little bit of time has passed uh, since we were last talking all things Leicester. Um, well, we've had three games. We've had a win versus Watford uh, by two goals to nil. I think we both went like comprehensive home wins. Um, then there was the draw against Sheffield Wednesday, and then there was the last gasp win against West Brom and um, well we viewed these games in in completely different ways Rob I bet from either being there from either watching it on a huge screen or dipping in and out of phone coverage and getting goal updates uh, whilst driving so um, we'll do what we do best and we'll, we'll kind of approach an overview of different subjects to do with the team and then incorporate those three games in one but ultimately we are still top of the league. I don't think anyone really expected the draw against Sheffield Wednesday or maybe those pessimistic fans out there, which I think I kind of half mentioned might be me uh, last time out, maybe. But two wins and a draw, I mean, end of the day, it's not bad for saying Leicester have, have slipped up of late. We're still top. Yeah, and it was off the back of uh, a couple of defeats before the international break. So we said uh, very plainly it was a good time to reset, take stock, come back uh, and have a reaction and uh, to win by two goals to nil, keep a clean sheet against Watford was exactly that kind of reaction. I have to admit uh, that was the one of the three games that we're going to talk about that I did not get a chance to see but ultimately uh, I can comment on the performance in the other two games and, and I will do as we as we get through it but it doesn't really matter about the performance first game back after the international break following back-to-back defeats. You win 2-0 yeah, the the wheels are turning once again, or or whatever whatever contraption is used to power HMS piss the league as we're calling it. Yeah, the um, I mean a lot of it, obviously attention will be on the West uh, Brom game. The fact that uh, although the West the Sheffield Wednesday game was on TV behind the red button, and then uh, obviously live was uh, West Brom, and it was uh, it was a a last minute winner or a last minute of injury time winner. I mean, end of the day, if you if you're gonna win a game. There's no better way, really, of winning, you know, especially when you've been doing it in a style um, like Leicester. You know, they've been comprehensively winning some games, dominating possession, but still top of the league, hardly conceding the goal. To get that sort of win does a club good. It, it The scenes at the end of the game, I mean, how many times have we had um, 
tremendous goals and last minute winners at the Hawthorns. It's a it's a really nice stadium for the club over the last decade or so. And those scenes of celebration at the end, you could basically just copy and paste what happened with Vardy's goal there, um, one of his many goals, but the goal that's was right in the middle of the the Leicester uh, miracle survival, um, the greatest escape season just before we won the league. The celebrations, same end, um, players piling over the top of other players, some great scenes there, Wink scoring the goal and going crazy, uh, Walt Vassett <laughs> jumping on the top of people, Vestergaard again. It's um, it, it's, a, it's a great way to win a game, like I said. In a, in a game where, I mean, West Brom have been going well, They've, but they're a tough team to beat. So to come away with three points is great. Also, on a, a game week where a lot of our rivals, and there are a top four, I think there is an established top four now, um, who will break away. They're I don't know how many games Southampton are unbeaten. I think it's 10, def- definitely at least 10. Um, Leeds obviously going well, and we know about ourselves and, and Ipswich. So the top four are absolutely flying. Um, they all had pretty decent fixtures and all won. The game in midweek where we drew, when we obviously we had the advantage over the weekend because we pulled away further, again, they all caught up. So it's in that scenario. And now looking at the future fixtures, which we'll do later on, it looks like just on paper alone, we might have a, a kind set of fixtures compared to the others, especially this coming weekend. But a great way to win a game. I was driving. Um, we were driving up to the, the wedding location, actually. And around here, you go through Woburn, etc. You don't get a lot of uh, phone coverage at all. So I saw as much as I could before we left. And then um, when we left, Leicester scored. As I'm walking to the car, so fantastic, you know, we've got 15 minutes or so to hold on. And when we got a little bit of phone coverage on the way to a or goal, 18, oh, they've done it again, they've conceded again. And then randomly, there was about four yards of, of phone coverage just literally by Woburn Safari Park. And it just flashed up there like 90, whatever it was, 96 winks. And the, the thing is on these flash scores or whatever you use of course in the Premier League a lot of them can get turned around with VAL but on here you know that there's a a 99% chance that that goal will stick so what a what a great way that's how I viewed it um how did you view it mine was ever so slightly different to that um (laughs) and I I might argue that aside from being at the Hawthorns this might be the second best way to have watched that that late winner um I've taken up a new position uh, under Alan March Sport, who uh, who uh, are a kind of a, an umbrella above this podcast, if you like, or at least where it began, um, managing their new, all improved uh, pre match fan zone just behind the Brian Clough stand, I believe that's what it's called, if you can call it a stand. And in this fan zone, there's a massive, massive screen, and they were. Going to play, uh, going to show the Alfreton game um, that was on the BBC at twelve thirty, and terrible, terrible luck. It was called off about a minute before kickoff or something daft like that. So it was panic stations. What are the punters going to watch? I say punters, weren't that many of them. Uh, we did open five and a half hours before kickoff, so you know footfall was fairly steady for throughout the uh, the the lunchtime uh, period. But we were like, oh, okay, we'll put the put um, the twelve thirty kickoff on. What is it? Oh, it's uh, 
It's Leicester West Brom, and I'm I'm there sort of fist clenching, going, yes, come on, get it on. And because there wasn't really anybody in the fan zone at that point, I basically got to stand and watch it on my own personal giant screen, one of the biggest screens I've ever watched a football match on, and I had a completely uninterrupted view. So I was watching it, and then Leicester scored, and I was celebrating. I had my Leicester top on about five layers deep because it was absolutely freezing. And then it started to fill up a little bit by the by the, towards the end of the second half. And when West Brom scored what uh, the equaliser, the Forest fans went absolutely mental as if Forest themselves had scored a goal. And I'm stood there. Obviously, nobody apart from the gaffer, Alan March, and uh, a couple of people we're working with know that I'm a Leicester fan. I'm keeping that quiet. I don't want to get lynched on my first day on the job, do I? Um, and then uh, we score in uh, in stoppage time with virtually the last kick of the game on a breakaway, and I'd, I had to sort of disappear out of view of the general public to have a slightly more uh, exuberant celebration than a quick fist clench, because it was just just brilliant to watch. Um, in, in the company of some Forest fans on a massive screen, very different to in a car with patchy phone signal, Pete, but I, I get the feeling we both enjoyed it, and I think you're right about the celebrations at the end. It proved, I think... Not that it needed proving, but it showed, it demonstrated that the that the team spirit is is excellent, uh, that the players have a real desire to to win the game, and they understand the importance of the difference between one point and and three points. Because as you've said, the the chasing pack, although not huge, uh, are going pretty well. They've got a lot of momentum behind them, and Leicester are there to be shot at. So to to recover quite quickly from the the disappointment of conceding another late equaliser, I think was a was a big moment uh, mentally for the players because it nearly happened at the Wednesday game. So the Wednesday game I saw through my own eyes in Hillsborough. I, I say through my own eyes. The view was absolutely terrible. And anybody that's listening to this who sat in the lower tier will certainly feel my pain. I couldn't decide whether I should be permanently ducking to look under the crossbar of the goal that I was directly behind or permanently standing on my tiptoes to try and look over the crossbar of the goal that was stood behind um in the end I did a bit of both and you can see pretty much everybody at one point bobbing up or bobbing down uh, but we were right in front of the goal when we had the last minute set piece and Vestergaard headed did everything right back post headed it down into the ground the keepers pulled off a sensational save with his foot we're we're about to celebrate I'm about Three quarters of the way to a cele- to celebrating a late winner and a two-one win after what was quite a poor performance, and we'll probably go into more detail about that in a few minutes. But it, it could have been exactly the same scenes uh, as those away at the Hawthorns, uh, and we could have had two two-one wins with late winners in a row. Wasn't to be, but the, the promising thing is that they they managed to get that at West Brom, and we didn't kind of stumble along to two-one all draws. Yeah, I think I think we we'll start with the Watford game, and it's quite easy to sort out a two 0 win. Vardy with a brace should have scored more, uh, completely dominating against a pretty solid um, Watford side. I think in in terms of those, um, and again, you, you've all heard what I've said over over recent uh, oh, since we've been in the Championship. You know, you get those sides turn up, and it's the same side wearing different shirts. But Watford, I think, are just a bit better than those, and, and Leicester completely dominating. Took a while to break deadlock. Once they did, game over. Two um, 0 win. 
And then you go to Sheffield Wednesday. I, I tell you one thing, Rob. These the last two uh, performances or results, should I say, the last two results have been the most, the, the worst and the best for me this season. Um, you, you can't beat a last minute winner away at the Hawthorns. Great, that's one of the most difficult grounds to go to in this in this league. Fantastic, and all the things we've said of what that could do for um, for the players and etc. etc. But the worst results was. For Sheffield against Sheffield Wednesday. Now, obviously, you were there. Um, I was watching on TV, or at least the, the part of the game. Now, I think this is the worst result, um, even worse than the defeats, because the defeats by goal to nil, Middlesbrough away, uh, again dominating, missing chances, and then you concede a, a, a great free kick late on, and then Leeds at home, world class save at the end, and a game which could have gone either way. But to draw at the bottom club, Sheffield Wednesday, when Leicester were on top. Especially in the first half, they score um, and were on top. Second half, I mean, fair play to Sheffield Wednesday, first half. The, the way that they played, one of the best performances of them in the season. But then it looked to me that they ran out of steam completely. And Leicester had their foot on Sheffield Wednesday. You 1-0 up against a team who have played so well against you, but have all of a sudden started to blow after about an hour. And... There's the chance to go and win the game. Go and go and push for that second goal. Once you've got the second goal, it's game over. We all know in football that you know, well, it only takes a second to score a goal. You can hoof the ball long into the penalty area. It drops right, goal, which is exactly what happened. So a 1-0 lead is always going to be dangerous, even if you've got 95% possession. So, but, but Leicester just did not do that. I don't know whether, whether you agree, but from my position watching... They they had the opportunity. I think Mavadidi took his man on once, and it was for the goal. And then in the second half, they kept possession rather than attacking. There was one or two options, but that was the intent. And they were there, and it was so frustrating watching. A, a different kind of frustration from what some fans have been experiencing this season with the way Leicester play, by keeping the ball, by making those moves, which we all now know on after seeing Enzo Maresca on the coach's voice, we know how Leicester play. We know what they're trying to do to create the space to then attack. And that's the way Leicester play. And I know some people are going to be slightly miffed by it because it's something completely new. But this was just a little bit extra. This was too safe for me. And ultimately, they got punished. And rightfully so in the end. Because if you're going to go and win the league, you've got to finish teams off. That you can't go around winning 1-0, 1-0 because you're going to get caught out, which they have. Hopefully, it might be a, a wake-up call and it might be the only one this season and it might ju just be an in-game scenario that happened at Hillsborough. But from my position watching, and, um, and, and the question to you, Rob, was it the same in the stand? But was it that fact that in the second half, you felt that Leicester took the easy option rather than trying to go for that second goal? Yeah, 100%. There was a lot of swearing and head shaking in the stand uh, at the fact that, exactly that, there was an opportunity to, to take a man on 1v1 or there was an opportunity to play the ball slightly quicker or, or a forward pass that was uh, declined, really. And yes, we've seen that in, in spells under Maresca. And, and yes, uh, largely it frustrates... Some of us, some of the time, most of us, most of the time, you know, I don't know exactly the feelings of everybody else, but 
it's it's all well and good when you're two three nil up, keeping the ball, rolling it about, just making sure the opponent hasn't got the ball. But you're exactly right. One nil up, it doesn't matter which team you're playing. You could be playing a, a Sunday league side who are desperately hung over, and they could still generate one chance that creates an opportunity for them to score. And I'm not calling Sheffield Wednesday a Sunday league side, by the way, before anybody comments on that. Uh, I do like both of the Sheffield sides because I, I know lots of people who support both of them. I keep an eye out for their results. It was nice to go to uh, my most local game just 10 minutes down the road. Um, but Wednesday, as a, as a football team, are improving under the new manager, don't get me wrong, but they're nowhere near as good as Leicester. And... They started well Wednesday. They got right up in Leicester's faces and created two really, really good chances early doors just from hassling Harry and winning the ball back in in Leicester's half. And and that was kind of quite alarming for us because that was the goal that we were right behind in the first half. And we thought, oh my goodness me, not expecting to see uh, this net bulge until the second half ideally Uh, and they came close a couple of times but then Leicester kind of didn't panic and they don't panic under Maresca and this is this is a real positive of this team they will continue to play this way regardless of what else is happening in the game and in some ways that might be a negative but in this case it was a positive because once they'd weathered this early storm they established a pattern of possession got a foothold in the game and you're right, War Wednesday out. Scored the goal in the first half, uh, which I, I couldn't see too far away. Crossbar in my way. But you're thinking then, top versus bottom, they've got fragile confidence, surely. You now have to go for the jugular, put the game to bed, get a couple more. I mean, my prediction was 5-0 and that went out the window, didn't it? But There was no intent there, or there certainly didn't seem to be from the terraces, to be any intent to go and score more goals and and kill the game off. And that was the frustration, because Leicester should be hammering a team like Sheffield Wednesday. There's no no other way around it. I know they picked up a good result after that, but so, so frustrating, because then the inevitable happens. Wednesday get that, that opportunity, they score late, they celebrated like absolute mad, but you would if you're bottom of the league and you're on for a point against top of the league, you would absolutely be going mad for it. But then we thought we got out of jail with the Vestergaard thing. We didn't. And it was... It, it, I'll, t- I'll tell you what it looked like to me. It looked like a team that had weathered a couple of early chances that they'd surrendered to the opposition, scored a goal, and gone, right, well, we're top, they're bottom, 1-0, that's enough. And, and there were Leicester players genuinely losing 50-50s. There were... There was more running in the in the Wednesday legs. There was there was more meaning in the tackles for Wednesday. No, yes, they're miles away at, uh, in terms of uh, footballing ability, but they worked harder. They they were stronger and quicker and and more determined. And ultimately, I came away from Hillsborough once I'd processed the uh, the disappointment and went and sat in the pub with my mate Jack afterwards. Uh, we sat there and said, actually, probably. On, on balance of, of work rate alone, Wednesday deserved that because they suffered a lot without the ball, um, but they worked extremely hard for it and 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 they got a, a hard-earned point. Obviously, you look at it through Leicester, uh, from a Leicester point of view, and you're like, mm, that's huge, huge two points dropped. 
Yeah, exactly. And again, on a night where all the others won. And when you look at the substitutes as well, I, I imagine plenty of the these were kind of head scratches as well. Um, mainly the ones that maybe were not used. So uh, just go through a few. You can kind of understand them straight away. Justin comes on for uh, fast, and then you've got um, McAteer for uh, Fatawu, um, Dusby Hall and Ndidi. So coming on, I bet you thought after an hour, right, here we go. Um, you're bringing on two players, Wilfred Ndidi and Dusby Hall, kind of the first team number eights, because we have two, uh, Cassidy and, uh, and Atgun coming off. So these are the two guys coming on. We're going to go and push for the second goal, get the second goal job done. But it, it wasn't like that at all. Um, Chowdhury then coming on, had a bit of a nightmare actually when he came on for Pereira. It seems like everything he did either got in the way or or, or sliced. It's um, But the, the one thing with me, you, you've got Tom Cannon on the bench again for the third game running and he's yet to make an appearance. Now, whether this is just a thing of he's not actually... I mean, we could, again, be completely barking up the wrong tree here. Um, what, again, you say how you say? Um, it, it could be the fact that he's absolutely nowhere near ready to make an appearance. But because of the squad size that we've got and the players on the bench, we can actually have him on the bench and be part of the first-team squad on a match day and knowing that he's actually not going to play. Um, unless there's a, a, a proper injury or, or something happens with, with the two forwards. Um, but it, it does seem strange that you would have Vardy on for the whole game when in that sort of scenario you might well have to or would like to bring on someone who holds the ball up better. Um, for, again, if you were looking to try and build through how they like to play and because of the way that Sheffield Wednesday play and it wasn't like they were pushing up. It wasn't like they were chasing the game and pushing the higher and higher and higher line. So Vardy staying on to get in behind. It, they were still going to drop back and, and, and nullify that effect. So if you're wanting someone to come on, it's interesting that they didn't turn to Kletchi and Acho. Um, and obviously then Cannon. Cannon probably because of what I said earlier. But it, Kletchi, his hold-up play hasn't been good this season. But um, you know we know he can do it. And... Funny enough, I was, talk- I was talking to a friend of mine actually um, about Leicester. Knows his football and that, you know, not just some, um, uh, well, just knows his football kind of thing. Um, and he was on about Kalechi and saying, I wonder if they're actually going to maybe try him in in one of those number eight positions, um, which might sound bonkers. But if you think about how deep he can play and the fact that he can spot a good pass, it's actually not a, the worst suggestion in the world to have Iheanacho in one of those, a very advanced role. You maybe would have what the other one or uh, drop him further back and whoever is the fullback on that side would be um, you know, hanging back a bit as well. But it's not the worst suggestion. There has been uh, quite a few links actually with uh, Kelechi Iheanacho over the last few days with Premier League clubs um, in January, one or two struggling for goals. It seems like an obvious fit. I'm I'm amazed he still was at the club Um I imagine they probably turned down a few offers, but uh, Crystal Palace has reared their head again. Again, they need someone to put the ball in the back of the net. And if you're thinking you can get Kelechi and Nacho for a few quid, then it seems like a good deal. Of course, you've got the curveball of AFCON, which we'll talk about when that comes around and um, how long the players will be missing for. But yeah, what was the view from the stand when, when Dusby Hall and, and Didi comes on? Everyone must have been delighted to see, but then... It never changed. It didn't change the scenario. It's almost like they came on 
and went, actually, lads, this is what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to play it backwards and not go for the second. Yeah, they were the absolutely uh, necessary substitutions to take place because I don't think uh, Cassidy or Atgun did anything whatsoever to make anybody feel like they deserve to be starting games ahead of Ndidi and Dewsbury Hall. I think everybody that that I spoke to and, and that I've seen on social media since uh, suggested that obviously that they only started the game because of the of the rotation that we've seen from Moresco. If you play uh, if you play at the weekend, uh, especially in those sort of all action number eight roles, you're unlikely to play in midweek, and that's that. That's fine. I've got no issue with that whatsoever. Um, but there's no chance that Cassidy or Atgun started because they outperformed Dewsbury Hall and Ndidi in previous matches or in training or anything like that. And I did not see a single thing from from them on that Hillsborough pitch that made me think, ah, I wish they were starting more games ahead of Dewsbury Hall and Ndidi. Because as soon as Dewsbury Hall and Ndidi came on, everybody was like, yeah, this is this is what needs to happen. That's our first choice midfield three. And I think they did make a little bit of a difference. That You certainly noticed them more. I think Cassidy and Atgun were, were passengers at times. Um, didn't really do an awful lot. Uh, you know what you'll get from Ndidi and Dewsbury Hall and that's plenty of endeavour even if the quality isn't always there you know you've got Atgun and Cassidy who are probably both better technicians in, in many ways um, but Ndidi and Dewsbury Hall came on and were, they were busy and, and they, they tried to to get into positions behind the Wednesday midfield which is what Cassidy and Atgun were really struggling to do and, and they did it in parts but Obviously, they didn't come on and have the fully desired impact, but there are only two players uh, of another eight outfield players who were already um, performing 10-15%, in my opinion, below their, below where they should have been. Um, the other change, you're absolutely right. I, I, nobody could believe that, that Vardy was still on the pitch. Not that he had a particularly disastrous game. No, I wasn't looking at him going, well, you're out of your depth or you're having an absolute shocker. He just he, he couldn't really get into the game, uh, and we know that it's it's more natural for someone like Ian Acho to to drop in and become more heavily involved because he he's I mean you've seen him in games that he's played this season where he's ended up on the halfway line and even further back at times, uh, even when Leicester are, uh, uh, have got players that sort of advanced towards the edge of the opposition's penalty area. Vardy not so much with that, and and this system. Um, much like systems under previous managers, uh, seemingly for Jamie Vardy, doesn't really suit him in in many respects. But we thought we thought we thought before the game we said, oh, we might see Tom Cannon tonight because we'll be three or four nil up against a poor Wednesday side, uh, and when when better to give somebody their uh, their debut for the club. And then we were winning one nil, and Vardy was basically um, non-existent not entirely through his own fault, and you thought, well, why not give him a go this time? And you, you, like you said, we don't know what's going on. We don't know how fit he is. Um, we don't know how how much Maresca would trust him in the system yet because he's not been on the training field for all that long. But I, I thought it, it can't get any worse. No, I'm not saying it was the, the worst performance ever. It was, I think, I agree with you, Pete. It's probably the worst result of the season, but it, it wasn't a horrendous performance. But he, he couldn't have come on and been detrimental to the team, I don't think. So a, a lot of us were talking, especially when we got to sort of 70, 75 minutes, give him a 15, 20 minute run out 
uh, and see if he can link things up a little bit, see if he can offer a little bit more danger. Um, but obviously, again, we are podcast hosts and, and fans of Leicester City, and Enzo Maresca is a uh, a highly knowledgeable professional football coach, uh, and he'll have had his reasons. But I, I, I think it's surely only got to be a matter of time before we see Tom Cannon. I'd, I'd be disappointed if it if it had to come because there was an injury to Vardy or Ianacho and then he became the natural understudy. Uh, regarding Ianacho in a number eight role, I, I, it's an interesting one because for large parts of the game, when Leicester have got possession, that number eight position is an advanced one. And you're asking players like Ndidi and and Dewsbury Hall to make those runs beyond the striker. That's exactly how the system works. So Ianacho, in, in some respects, then would become the furthest player forward if he started, if he'd sort of put the the them out on the tactics board. It, even though he's starting deeper than maybe the two wide players and the striker, you would then, in in play, see him further forward than the striker a lot of the time. It, it could it could try it. I mean, it's 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 the championship at the end of the day, and he's a, he's a very good footballer. So you'd expect him to be able to give it a a decent go. But at the same time, look at more specialists in that position like Cassidy and and at guns looked tidy in in patches in that position, uh, and they couldn't really do anything uh, against Wednesday. So I'm not totally convinced by the idea, but I can I can understand the theory behind it. Yeah, I can understand the theory. It's um, yeah, we'll, we'll see whether it happens. I'll be again disappointed about at gun if uh, at gun um cannon if he well another gun a cannon um would be uh would would not figure at the weekend in any way shape or form. Obviously, in the game scenario, hopefully, like you were saying, you know, it might be a few goals up as you were thinking against Wednesday. But it's another week down the line. You know, how long can you be playing um or putting a person on the bench who's who's literally not going to be playing because of that scenario why not give it to a youngster in that case you know it's it seems a little bit wasted but uh but there we go um and then and the West Brom game was was completely the opposite very tight game good team West Brom very strong uh some good results beating some of the top boys like uh like Ipswich but um Leicester doing what Leicester do staying not staying in the game um Dictating the game to a certain extent, you look at stats that really are bang even apart from possession-wise, Leicester are going to dominate pretty much every side in this uh, this league. But each had chances, goalkeeper making some good saves, uh, and then a good goal, Jusby Hall scores. Um, and then the last, what, six or seven minutes, completely mad. Um, I don't quite understand how... I mean, I mean first of all, when it comes to the um, the winning goal, so Leicester concede 89 minutes. We've all seen the winning goal a million times. First of all, fair play to Winks for scoring because that was missable. <laughs> that really was missable, uh, the square from, uh, from Dewsbury Hall. But uh, to, to break away like that is seriously impressive from a Leicester point of view. I have no idea what West Brom were thinking. They, they obviously went mad about, right, we've scored. We're going to get the winner here. Corner. Let's go forward. And they, they just, they, they forgot, basically. They, I don't know whether it was an instruction or the players did it themselves, but you'd be fuming if you're a West Brom fan going, yes, go for the goal, but come on. You've got Leicester uh, really have 
looked at what's happened with West Brom. They've looked at who's going forward, at who's pushing up and gone, hang on, let's just counter this. We, we'll leave the players in the penalty area to deal with the ball. We do have Yannick Vestergaard, who is a very, very handy player in championship football at the back, who headed everything clear against Sheffield Wednesday, apart from the one thing, and that was the goal. Um, and very unlucky not to score. I thought that was in, but uh, very unlucky not to score at the end. So for Leicester to, to counteract the, uh, the the gung-ho-ness of, uh, of West Brom was impressive. But what were they doing? You'd be absolutely fuming, wouldn't you? Absolutely fuming. It's, it is almost like they they forgot what the score was. They thought they were 2-0 down. They've just got a late goal and gone, oh, come on, we can get a last-minute equaliser here. It, it looked like that because for Ian Acho to drive out of uh, through the middle of our half and look up, and basically only see blue shirts. He must have been like, what's going on here? How, how how can I... And then he played a decent ball through. And you're right about Winks finishing that because Jewsbury Hall didn't do him uh, a huge amount of favours with the with the square pass, did he? But yeah, just... I, I'd, I'd have been fuming if I was a West Brom fan. You know, if you score... Uh, it would have been much the same as how Wednesday felt uh, in midweek when they got a last-minute equaliser against top of the league. Absolutely buzzing. You come away with a one-all draw, a point against the league leaders, who, who everybody's expecting to win the league and go up to the Prem. Uh, and you'd go, thank you very much. That's a, that's a hard Saturday lunchtime's work. And then that happens right at the end. Madness. Absolute madness. But you know, fair play to us for, for, for taking advantage and scoring and, and having those scenes late on. Um, yeah, fantastic scenes. Uh, scenes this week, Leicester doing a lot of uh, Christmas stuff, a lot of filming at Seagrave, a lot of content online, and then uh, going to uh, the Leicester Royal uh, for doing their uh, their annual visit with the Birch, etc. Um, to see all the uh, all the good work there, and also to see a lot of the the money spent from uh, uh, from the donations by Vishai over the years. So uh, yeah, really good work there for Leicester, and um, and as we look forward now, we're looking forward. To the game coming up this weekend, I'm looking forward to a midweek game uh, against Millwall, and then uh, a weekend away at Birmingham. So two games coming up, both at home. So we've got Plymouth at home and Leicester and uh, Millwall at home. Obviously, we got drawn against Millwall in the cup, which, in fact, we'll mention that at the same time. It's not the best draw, let's put it that way. I think one of the, one coach company has already said we're not going to bother going down there. Um, Instantly, all the memories come flooding back of that horrible performance against Millwall. I was there in the top tier, um, watching seats being flown everywhere, and uh, essentially zero, apart from one police horse, zero stewarding, zero police inside the ground. Complete lack of just not bothering, just going like, if they want to run on the pitch, if they want to do this and the other, they can do it. We're just not going to bother. And then when you walk outside the ground, to go on a path to the state out of the ground where the away fans are, there's just the most police you can ever see in your life in a massive row. And we'll go. I just remember saying to them like, because there was people walking on that path, and you're talking about women and kids and and whoever who are walking away from the ground as as normal, but also walking away from basically a riot going on inside the ground. And they're lining the path. That's how many. And I I remember saying because obviously the path was was, was very full. And it was it. We slowed down at one point, and I, I said to one of the one of the police, I says like, you do realise there is a a riot going on. Like there's a there's a few police in there, but literally I'm talking a handful. 
Are you going to go help your mates? It's it's kicking off in there, and and just, you were told abruptly just keep on walking, which you couldn't because this path is a normal sized path, and there's so many people on it, and you just stood there waiting. There's no shouting. There's no nothing. And you're like, well, I can't move. And they're like, just keep on moving. And I'm like, okay. So we tried to move off the path and they wouldn't let us off the path. And I'm like, well, how can we move? What are you, do? you know, it was completely bizarre, but obviously they've they've left that ground to what, you know, just to go to ruin basically. But it was a horrible game. Uh, I'm amazed that Ranieri um, wasn't sacked afterwards. Obviously they gave him the severe game and it all worked out. But, um, and obviously it was let go after that, but at least he got that game. Um and the team was terrible. Um, obviously, everyone remembers about um, Chilwell not wanting to take a uh, a throw-in, etc. And all, all that. It, it, it was just a horrible game, horrible performance. Um, Model Wagyu played, I think, and probably his only game. But like, uh, yeah, horrible, horrible day. And not really the draw you want. You're looking for, you know, maybe a local game, um, you know, away at Derby, away at Forest. Something like that would have been really good, wouldn't it? But uh, yeah, Millwall away, never mind. Um your thoughts on the draw, though, before we uh, before we head up to the to the league games? Oh, rubbish! What one of the worst you could possibly get? You want to either play uh, a bit of a minnow or somebody from a little bit lower down, so there's a decent story to it, or somebody local, like you say, Forest or Derby, or I mean, in in some some way, I enjoyed going to Anfield for the League Cup earlier this season. You know, another chance a few months into the Maresca regime to have another look at how we compare to a Premier League side. Obviously, it's a different competition. They might put out a slightly different team, but I think it would have been nice to play a sort of mid-table Premier League team and, and just use it as a bit of a barometer almost and and probably get what some might not bother calling a Premier League scalp, but ultimately, in the moment, we're a championship team and, and if you played a Premier League team, you would highly likely not be the favourites to do so. But yeah, Millwall's... It's an it's a non-entity. It's not a game that many people would enjoy going to watch. It's not one that is going to get televised. Surely, it's just yeah, meh. That's all I've got for it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm you know completely not on board with it. But uh, but there we go. There'll be a lot of people go down to the ground. You know, it's uh, but but there we go. It's uh, it, it is what it is. Um, and we play them in midweek. So we've got Plymouth at home and Millwall at home. So instantly you're looking at two. Winnable games because you're playing at home against two clubs who are, are down there in the um, uh, you know in the division. Just to look at the other teams, so uh, and I know you got to concentrate on Leicester, and we will do. But just to give you some perspective, uh, Leeds travel to Blackburn in the early kickoff. Um, you've got uh, Ipswich travelling to Middlesbrough, and we know how difficult that can be. And Southampton travelling to Watford. And then when it comes to the midweek games, Ipswich travel to Watford. Uh, Leeds go to Sunderland, who will have a new manager, you'd imagine by then. And Southampton are away at Coventry, which isn't too much of a, uh, a difficult fixture. So um, Leicester have a chance here. And might be what the podcast will call, uh, be called, but they have a chance here to, to really kick on um, in this league and get a maximum six points before you travel to Birmingham who have their own troubles but and then the following up Rotherham at home afterwards before it's the Ipswich game on Boxing Day so you can look at these four games really and go there's a huge chance of Leicester getting four wins from these four but Plymouth at home again a team who I don't think they will be one of those sides who turn up 
and it's the same side as we've seen, but just in different shirts, in green shirts this time. Um, when they came up into the league, they, they started really well, especially at home, scoring plenty of goals. But it's just slightly gone wrong. They started to concede lots. They always conceded a few. And then they stopped scoring and they've started to struggle. And you would have imagined that they would have been struggling anyway in this league. But at the moment, they are in 16th place. So you go, okay. But they're on 22 points. So when you see QPR on 16 points, they're six points above the relegation zone. Yes, they've scored 31 goals, so they do score plenty uh, and conceded 29, which is one of the highest as well, um, or right up there at least. So it's a game where I think Leicester need to be slightly cautious, but also you know they're going to go into the game and they're going to have arguably one of the largest percentages in terms of possession this season, I think, against this side. But... I think they just need to be slightly careful of them on the counter-attack. They, they do have uh, a little bit of speed in them, players who can perform the unpredictable. They, they, they have a few players who, um, on the break, can really show their talent and have done so far this season. But it's a game that Leicester really should win. And if they score first and start to dominate, I, I can see this being uh, a good, in the mid-70s possession-wise for Leicester, and a game where you would imagine they would go Vardy from the start um, after Ian Acho was at the weekend, but you imagine after a week off, Vardy would go from the start and be Leicester's full first team, Dewsbury Hall and Didi. And I can't see any reason why Leicester just can't go and win, which I know when you're previewing these games, you look at the opposition and you're thinking, what angle can you have? But when you are top of the league and playing the way Leicester play, you can't really say that they're going to have a lot of possession. They they possess this sort of player. That's it's just the way Leicester are at the moment. It's difficult to actually kind of argue against any anything else apart from a Leicester win. But I'm going to go for a, a full on Leicester win here, scoring a few goals. I think they might get four. I think they will concede. Though. I'm going to go four one Leicester. But against the side who again I think Leicester will completely dominate possession more than they have done even uh, with recent games or games this season. But I just think on the occasion that Plymouth get forward, I think they will look dangerous. And Leicester could, I think they, they could do with someone like Justin maybe playing from the start, just that little bit extra at the back. And they'll need to just watch themselves, even if they are dominating possession at the back, just be careful because they do have pace. Well, my issue with you uh, predicting a 4-1 based on the fact that Leicester will have 70% of possession uh has led me to bring up the stats from the Wednesday game in which Leicester had 68% possession and managed three shots on target in comparison to Sheffield Wednesday's 32% possession and they managed seven shots on target. So I totally appreciate, I know I know that we're going to have more possession than Plymouth, totally understand that. But I think what Leicester need to prove in this run of fixtures yeah, and it's all well and good saying what you've said there, which is, is totally factually accurate that we're playing against some some teams that are struggling um, and that will be in the bottom half of the championship table come the end of the season. This is where Leicester really have to prove that they have the right mentality and that they've learnt fairly quickly. And, and they seem to be learning a lot as a team. Uh, and Maresca as a manager, as a fairly inexperienced manager, but they've got to go into these games and look to absolutely demolish some of the teams because it's what should have happened against Sheffield Wednesday. 
you'd look at a possession stat and you would think, oh yeah, they absolutely battered them. But then when you go down to the to the shots and the shots on target, the 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 opposition had more of both. So they've got to to keep the ball, but but use it with intent. And this is something that's always stuck with me about Maresca. One of it's probably I'm not very good at remembering stuff about football. Loads of people say, "Oh yeah, but you're a commentator, blah 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 blah. You must be brilliant at a pub quiz." I'm absolutely useless, and Pete will attest to this. To those of you listening, and those that know me will also. If it's not written down in front of me, I'm not remembering it. But one thing that Maresca said this season has stuck with me, and it was something along the lines of the fact that uh, football matches are only won in the last twenty or thirty minutes. It's almost like he treats much of the first hour of the game as a training exercise, uh, uh, an exercise in which you've got to keep the ball for as much of the time as you possibly can and then go and try and win the game in the last 20 or 30 minutes. But that's all well and good, but then you're reducing the the amount of time that the, that the match is played over, basically, because you're taking very few risks with the ball in, in most cases. Uh, especially in the the opponent's half. But what you did then against Wednesday is you get to these last 20, 10, 15 minutes, whatever, uh, and you present an opportunity for them to get a result. Whereas if you bish, bash, bosh and get the job done within the first hour, surely, surely that mentality's got to be in the team. You've got to, They've not started particularly well in the last few games, I don't think, or not come out after the beginning of the second half particularly well. And I just think they need to have a bit more oomph about them um, to avoid more slip-ups like the one at, at Hillsborough last week. Four ones ambitious. I'm going. I'll, I'll go. I'll go another tight two-one. Oh, two-one. Well, a, a win's a win. I I agree, and I, I agree one when you mentioned about what what Maresca was on about. <clears throat> Absolutely, depending on the opponent. Depending on the opponent, and if you're in front when you get to that stage, like they were at Hillsborough, then th- there's no use kind of sitting back on that. But depending on your opponent, you can win football matches in different ways. Clubs this season are doing that in the in the Championship. Now, uh, Southampton at the moment, um, they're on this really long unbeaten run. They're scoring goals, but it's almost kind of the opposite. They they they've been scoring late goals, but when I mean late goals, very very late goals, and. Those have come in games that have been quite tight and a little bit end-to-end and, and, and fair play for doing that. But then I, I wouldn't say that's the overall kind of theme. It, it, it's almost like it's a um, um, an anomaly, really, when it comes to the stats or the goals. It, it's not because of their play. It's not because of what they set out to do or their style. It's just what's happened, basically, in, in the last, say, uh, six weeks or so. Um, and it's become quite amusing. But when it comes to their overall style, they will push forward early on and they will try and establish themselves in the game. And then what they've been doing is is suffering kind of in the last, say, 25 minutes almost through a lack of um, a lack of a an experienced bench. They will bring on players who will be exciting going forward, but then leave opportunities for the opponents to get back in the game and not necessarily picking up points. Sometimes they have and drawn games because they've not won every game. They've drawn a fair few, but obviously not gone to win. So that's the way that Southampton been playing. Leeds overall are just a very good side with some... The, uh, Leeds have what Leicester have and what Southampton have with one or two, but um, overall they have 
more, and that's just players who are generally better than others in this league. It's a very simple thing to say. But they have players who should not be playing in the championship. They're too good for the championship and will run rings around players. Some of you, for example, and, and a few others in that side. And I still think they will ultimately probably finish in second. Um, Ipswich are just, at the moment, playing some lovely football. And they've got the swagger of a team who came up from the from League One, playing some really good stuff. And they've just gone, do you know what? We're going to do exactly the same in the Championship. And they have done. And they've been scoring goals, putting teams to bed straight away, conceding goals because that's the style of football they play. And also, let's get it right, the personnel that they've got. You know, a very good, competent side, but they're playing at their maximum with the players that they've got and a fantastic job being done there by all. But they ultimately, I think, will get caught out because of the amount of goals that they concede, because of the squad they've got, a few more injuries. Can they bring in players from the youth side? Can they have the reserves playing in the same style? Some fantastic goals being scored. If you want a goal of the season... Um, competition just just throw in the Ipswich town goals I mean an amazing goal at the weekend but can that last the full season if it does it's amazing it would be amazing but sometime I think that they will ultimately get caught out and probably get caught for second place and then you throw in Leicester and the way that Leicester play again it is it's completely different but um I just wish that they would in that first period, against sides that they... And you can quickly fathom this out, inside the first 15 minutes or so, maybe even earlier. But they can sit there, especially the King Power, and go, do you know what? We've just got the beating of these. This is a this, is, this could be an FA Cup game against lower league opposition. You know, we just generally have the beating of these. And do what, say, Leeds do. And go out, and what Southampton do, and really push forward and go for an early goal. Get the goal. Get in front. And then make it to make the game safe, make the game secure, and then you can play that sort of football. And then later on, of course, you can have that final twenty-five minutes, as Maresca was saying, and and you can go and secure the game, win and win by further, and bring on players and make your substitutions. Maybe bring on Cannon or take players off you want to you want to keep for next week and rotate the squad, which we do. But yeah, I just think sometimes Leicester, and it sounds a bit big, but it's true, isn't it that? They don't almost sometimes realise how much clear they are of of certain amount of sides. And I think these two games should prove it. Millwall are going to be awkward midweek because it's Millwall. Um, They will get the ball forward. And even though they could change their manager as many times as they'd like, they still will have that in them because that's the way that Millwall will play. And that's what the public demand down there, along with a lot of other rotten things. But... That's the way they're going to play. And they should be still be there for the taking for Leicester. And it's a game, again, I'm going to see Leicester win, but I'm going to go a bit more conservative and just go for a 2-0 win in maybe a similar game to what panned out against uh, Watford. So back-to-back wins for you. Uh, a big one and a slightly less big one, but a clean sheet at Millwall. Um, from what I've seen recently, I'm I'm going to go for back-to-back Two ones, which in theory, if you include the West Brom game, would make it a hat trick of two one wins. I'm not seeing enough from Leicester at the minute to think that they're going to blow a team away. Um, simply for the the tactical things that we've just talked about in the last ten fifteen minutes. So, 
2-1 against Plymouth, 2-1 against Millwall. Six more points on the way back to the Premier League for me. There we go. So six more uh, six more in the bag. And then uh, obviously we'll approach the game at the weekend. But for now, we will approach the fantasy football, which continues to be absolutely dreadful for me, Rob. But uh, let's hear that music. <laughs> Now, the top 10 of the For Fox 8 podcast FBL Fantasy Football League. Uh, in 10th place, How I Met Your Matter, Jack Flanagan, 905 points. Uh, up into 9th place, Crafty Fox, Mr. J, same amount of points, 905. Up into 8th place, Stark Raven Mads, Glenn Richardson, 907 points. Down into 7th place, Yun, uh, Run Yori Run, Tom uh, Strangwood with uh, 907 points again. Uh, in 6th place, remaining in 6th place, Major League Saka with uh, Kieran McCloskey, 908 points. Uh, also a 908 points. Up into 5th place, AFC Lost and Found, Steve Curtis. Uh, top 5 then, well, 4th place. Up into 4th, it's Wall Cottage Cheese, Jack Wright, 918 points. Uh, top 3 down into 3rd place, uh, Lingardium Leviosa, uh, Bruce Tolley, 929 points. Up into 2nd place is uh, what would Jan Mulby do? Scott Kersey. Oh, dear. Uh, 931. My mate Scott. And then uh, at the top, it's uh, Inter Night Garden. Sam Smith, 949 points. That's as it stands now. Obviously, we've got, uh, at the time of recording, a couple of games in the Premier League to go. So whether uh, they've been counted or not, it's just the way it is at the moment. So that will all change. Uh, Scott Kersey, lad of work, my word, up into uh, second place. But uh, but there we go. Um, yeah, your team's going very well, Rob. Mine's going mine's going really bad. But And this is going to sound like a little bit of a cop-out, but I've, I've got a league with mates which obviously I'm failing badly because it's a points league after winning three years on the bounce it's all gone horribly wrong but at work it's a uh, head-to-head league which again going terribly I was rock bottom but I won last week and then going into tonight's final round of games this week I'm two points ahead with I think a very good chance. The lad's got two person I'm playing against got two Newcastle defenders and Bowen in midfield. I've got um, Tarkovsky and then I've got two Spurs players Adogi and also Son so I think I've got a good chance um, of, of maybe getting two wins on the bounce but uh, where are you? I'm in 100 dickety do place oh you're in 28th yeah 28th and, and back up actually I had a, a rough game week or two because I made a couple of uh, of transfers that I thought would be good business and turned out to be fairly terrible business um, and then this week I thought I was going to have an absolute mare because I forgot to do my team in time on Tuesday. Busy day at work, didn't meet the deadline. So I didn't change my team from the previous game week. And I'm currently, as, as you say, a couple of games to play tonight. I'm, uh, I'm 10 points above the average and I've got a couple of players in tonight's fixtures. So back up into the into the top 30 if you will and uh not too far off the top 10 actually it's it's a it's a long standing dream of mine to have my name read out with the top 10 music behind it by Pete Selby <laughs> well it 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 might happen it might well happen but uh uh, we shall see. So, yeah, that's the FBL. But, of course, we're concentrating on all things uh, championship. Rob, anything else? No, I think we've done a, a fairly, for us, a fairly concise summary of 
three matches and a, and a few weeks of action. We'll hopefully be back next week. Obviously, there's a, a lot going on with Christmas, etc. And all sorts going on. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll try and do one next week. I'm really, actually, really busy next week. We'll see, basically. There's a lot of games coming up. Um, but we'll definitely get one in uh, the week after. I've got plenty of time that week, Rob. So, before Christmas. Um, we'll definitely get one in, obviously, before then. So uh, that's about it. Anything you want to uh, get in contact with us, uh, make sure you do on Twitter, at FFSpod or for Fox8Podcast at gmail.com on the old email. Uh, Facebook, type in for Fox8Podcast. You'll find us on there. Uh, but that's it. So we're going for two wins and then, obviously, rolling on to the game at the weekend uh, against Mr. Rooney, etc., which, of course, will press a lobby over Rooney versus Vardy and all that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, hopefully, next time we speak, uh, we could have... Plenty more points. And you never know, looking at the fixture list, uh, we could be a few points clear of the others before we get to that uh, those games over Christmas. Fingers crossed and uh, up the city. Mm-hmm.